Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Radio Free Acton. This is the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. Good to have you along with us today on the podcast. My name is Mark Vandermoss, as usual, your host for Radio Free Acton, and it is good once again to be with you. Well, one of the things that we do uh, in the summertime, sometimes in the fall here at the Acton Institute, is we host uh, a series of informal lectures uh, in a nice uh, light atmosphere at a local bistro, in in this case uh, at Sanchez Bistro at 38 West Fulton, right down the street from the Acton Institute here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, And we we host an event called Acton on Tap, and we've had a couple of those this year. We're going to post audio of the events that we've had so far, but coming up, on July 29th, uh, right here in downtown Grand Rapids, Jared Meyer is going to be with us. Jared Meyer is uh, an author uh, and a research fellow, or he's a fellow, I should say, at the Manhattan Institute for Policy Research with research interests including microeconomic theory and the economic effects of governmental regulations. He's been a regular contributor to Economics 21, The Federalist, Real Clear Energy, and City Journal. He's even made uh, appearances on multiple radio and TV shows, including NPR and the BBC. And together with his co-author, Diana Fergcott-Roth, he has just released a book called Disinherited, How Washington is Betraying America's Young. Uh, It's a fantastic book, and he is going to be in town to discuss that book uh, for Acton on Tap, July 29th, 6 p.m. at Sanchez Bistro right here. And... Uh, our very own Sarah Stanley, communications associate here at the Acton Institute, had an opportunity to speak with Jared about the book and uh, and some of the things therein. And so without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic over to Sarah Stanley uh, for her interview with Jared Meyer uh, right here on Radio Free Acton. Hi, Jared. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so first off, I just want to talk about, obviously, your book, Disinherited. Uh, at the Acton Institute, we've been talking a lot about the problems you've described in Disinherited for years. We call it a problem of intergenerational justice. Do you get a sense that millennials are aware of this moral aspect of their economic and social constraints? I think they are. When we look at entitlement programs such as Social Security and Medicare, millennials realize that they're getting a raw deal. They're being asked to pay for programs that they never voted for, they may not want, and that they're not going to get an equal value for what they're paying in right now. I think this is one reason why millennials, almost three-quarters of them, favor some sort of private accounts for Social Security, Mm -hmm. which is really rare. Even as recently as 2004, when President George W. Bush tried to put this into place, he just ran into roadblocks in Congress because the AARP stepped up its lobbying efforts to make sure that nothing would touch the seniors' Social Security. But I think this is a growing realization. And in Disinherited, my co-author, Diana Fergcott-Roth, and I, we talked to a lot of millennials, and one of them told us he views his Social Security payments coming out of each hard-earned paycheck as just another tax, something he thinks he's never going to get back. And this is by no means rare among millennials. So a few weeks ago, the Washington Post ran an article titled Older Millennials Still Stuck in Their Parents' Basements. Uh, so this means that millennials aged 25 to 34, the older ones, are, are still stuck living at home. But we've also heard that there's a recovery going on. Supposedly, we're, we're in an upturn economically. Um, so, Jared, what do you think is going on here? <laughs> well, a lot of millennials are asking themselves, what recovery? The job <laughs> right? rate for people 20 to 24 years old is still 10%. 
I mean, this is insane when the uh, unemployment rate for people over 25 is just over 4%. And you talked a lot about people living at home. Well, it's even worse among young millennials. Obviously, it's disheartening that we have, you know, let's just call it a third of older millennials living with their parents. But right now, among 18 to 24-year-olds, 56% are living with their parents. That's a historic high. So it's hard to move on to other life milestones, such as buying a house, buying a car, you know, getting a first full-time job, getting married, having kids, any of that when you're stuck living in your parents' basement. New report out of the Congressional Budget Office warns that by 2039, federal debt held by the public will actually reach 101% of the GDP. A lot of this is caused by mandatory federal spending from Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare subsidies, that sort of thing. And it looks like there's no end to it in sight for the, the, the stealing from the rich to, en- or stealing from the young to enrich the old, as you described it in your book. Um, Do you think millennials will ever make this connection that as the government expands and as entitlements rise, their economic product prospects will actually grow dimmer? Well, you you almost started to say uh, stealing from the ri- uh, stealing from the poor to give to the rich. And that's actually <laughs> not that far off. Uh, Basically, the average wealth. Yeah, the average wealth for a household headed by someone 65 years and older is 50 times the wealth headed by a household with someone 35 and younger. And you might say, you know, Jared, that makes sense. People have been able to work a long time. They've accumulated savings. But back in the 1980s, this ratio was only 1 to 10, not Mm. 1 to 50. So we have this idea of old people as, you know, a a, a poor grandmother freezing in her apartment. But this simply isn't the reality anymore. We need to update our programs where we can provide something to the truly needy uh, elderly population, but not just blatantly stealing from young people so that we can give it to their grandparents. And uh, you also talked about, you know, the debt, how it keeps increasing, driven by these mandatory spending programs. And there is a way out of it, but it's just very depressing. We could either raise all federal taxes by 56 percent or cut all federal spending by 37 percent. And that's ignoring uh, we would leave the ballooning interest payments on our debt. But there's really no easy way out of this if we don't get the economy going again and growing out of this pathetic 2 percent rate that we've seen recently. So if we don't get the economy going, we either need to drastically cut services, which is grossly unfair to millennials because they'd be paying the same amount to get much less, Mm. or we need to raise taxes so that they're paying way more to get the same as their parents and grandparents got. Yeah, not not a great situation. Jared, I have one more question for you. It comes from the conclusion in your book. You say, even if young people ignore the political process, the political process will not ignore them. Regulations in particular affect labor markets. Um, How do you think millennials can influence the political process effectively? Well, first, they need to realize what the regulatory state is really doing to them and doing to the economy. As I said, we need to grow our way out of this problem. And possibly the best way to do that is cut back on the one million commandments we currently have from Washington. And the way you get to this one million is looking at the Code of Federal Regulations and analyzing every time the uh, restrictive words such as shall, must, or cannot is used. I mean, how is anyone expected to grow their business, much less start one, if they have to try to figure out which of these million commandments from Washington apply to them? And this goes from everything to the energy sector, to obviously employment, to anything else. It's, it's really grown out of control, and we need to rein this in so the economy can start growing. But once millennials realize the problem, they do need to engage in the political process. We need something to counter the influence of the AARP and its vast lobbying arm. And as I see it, this isn't a generational or a partisan issue. 
if you go and talk to grandparents, I mean, you can't get them to shut up about their grandkids. <laughs> they care about opportunity for millennials just as much as millennials care about it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think we just need a greater public awareness of the true, uh, uh, I guess, travesty of what we're handing down to millennials in the terms of debt, overregulation, poor education. And then what we need is politicians who are actually going to stand up and fight for this. Thankfully, the House Republican Policy Committee, they actually held a hearing on millennials in the GOP wondering which ways they can change their message and change their policies to start appealing to young people and really addressing the problems they're facing. So I'm hoping to see the same thing come out of the Democratic Party so that we can get a bipartisan effort to stop this betrayal of America's young. Uh, I guess I lied. I have one follow-up question. Um, do you think <laughs> do you think we need something like the AARP, but for young people, like a, a organized kind of lobby group that, that does these things? Well, you would hope that we wouldn't need one, but at this point, I really don't know what else we can do, because apparently politicians are only going to listen if there's enough money behind it or enough public support. So what I'm trying to do is fight on the side of public support, reali- make people realize what's going on. But also, if there's any, uh, any billionaires listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would suggest a great way to spend your money would be starting a group, you know, the American Associations of Young Persons, mm-hmm. uh, to help fight against uh, the AARP and help restore opportunity to America's young. Okay, well, thanks for uh, for chatting with me this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And anyone in uh, the West Michigan area, Jared will be in Grand Rapids on July 29th to talk about his book, Disinherited. All right, I'm looking forward to the event. Thanks again. Well, that is our podcast for today, folks. And uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. I want to thank once again... Uh, Jared Meyer for taking the time to join us today on the podcast. His book is called Disinherited, How Washington is Betraying America's Young. He's the co-author of that one. And uh, Jared will be in town, uh, just to remind you, July 29th at Sanchez Bistro, 38 West Fulton Street in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That uh, event starts up at 6 p.m., goes to about 8, uh, and uh, usually there are uh, a good crowd there, and we have a lot of fun, uh, some drink specials usually, and uh, we just enjoy ourselves for, for an evening at Sanchez Bistro for Acton on Tap. So Jared Meyer will be here. Make sure you mark that down on your calendar, July 29th. So, uh, and, and again, thanks to Jared for talking with us today. Thanks as well to Sarah Stanley for taking the microphone duties on that interview. She did a fine job. And thanks to you for joining us here on Radio Free Acton. We will talk to you again on the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good one.